0: Welcome to another amazing episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from TV, film, comic books, books, and what have you. And tonight, we've got some mashing up happening right from the get-go. We've got a fellow podcaster from the Richmond area and blogger from Nerdcropolis. We've got Katie here.
2: What is up, Hobbit? It's good to see you again, buddy.
0: Really, uh, we've been so fortunate to have you on previous years for the Halloween season, and yes. with everything going on, everybody's got their little pods of people that they're comfortable with. And then <laughs>
2: yes, pod ex- people.
0: <laughs> pod people, yes. And it's hard to really have that same kind of, like, interactivity with some of our favorite people to come on sometimes. Yes. But I'm glad because of technology the way it is, we can at least have a Zoom conversation
3: about. Yeah,
2: I'm like I'm like Halloween herpes. Whenever you feel the spooky itch, uh, here I am popping up, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But thank you for having me back. I'm excited.
0: Another panelist that we have on, usually around the Halloween season, is our friend Will McCobb. Uh, Uh, Ah, yes. And uh, he always jokes about that, too, where he knows he's going to get the phone call the minute that October hits. Happy to
2: be that person, for sure.
0: And there's a good reason, because if anybody has the opportunity to definitely check out nerdcropolis.com, it's a uh, microblog and podcast. Yes. It really showcases just how much of an appreciation you have for the genre, because- Uh, I've loved when we've had you on some of the shows on the network where your insights aren't just hammering out names and dates and memorizing who was in what movie directed by who. You're actually a lot of the time talking about the nuances of what the story was trying to convey, what you got from it. You're you're a true blue fan of horror where you understand... Uh,
2: That's, that's high praise coming from you, Hobbit. I really appreciate that. But yeah, this is my ninth year doing uh, 31 Nights of Horror. My blog is horror all day, every day, all year round. But this is our time to shine, obviously. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, I really try to challenge myself to get to the point in the heart of that review in three sentences or less, which is way more challenging than you think <laughs> it's going to be. And just um, get straight to the point. Uh, I love horror. As you mentioned, I'm a true blue fan for sure. So always uh always happy to chat with you guys. And I have my podcast that I started this year during the pandemic. So um definitely check that out as well. You can link to that on my blog or or listen to that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
0: And we'll definitely have a link to that in the notes for this uh episode as well. So uh go ahead and take a look there if you don't remember nerdcropolis.com. Pretty pretty (laughs) easy to remember. Yeah I know (laughs) a lot. So tonight we're gonna be talking about a movie that is so good the Oscars had to call it a thriller so they could give it awards.
2: Right, like that's, that's, right. that's how <laughs> they, good it was. They couldn't call it horror.
0: Horror movies don't get Oscars besides Get Out. <laughs> and if there wasn't like a huge blow up in previous years with the Oscars of there not being nearly enough representation of anybody that's not white, basically, in the, in right. the uh, Oscars. I don't know if Get Out would have gotten nominated. Not that it didn't deserve it. It absolutely did. But no,
2: I think you're right. It right.
0: being a horror movie, that is the redheaded stepchild of every genre.
2: It really is and it's so fascinating because there are so many obviously wonderful examples of horror over the years. but now I feel like we're in this golden age like can we, we really just get are. Tony Tony Colette a goddamn Oscar please like <laughs> right. she's just eh, she just needs it. But yeah, you're absolutely right but we are talking tonight about one of the best uh, one of the greatest of all time, at least according to the Academy. I
0: would absolutely agree. We're talking Silence of the Lambs, the Hannibal Lecter story. Not the first time, actually, that Hannibal Lecter was on screen. Uh, He he was played by, I believe, Brian Cox in the 1980s Michael Mann film Manhunter.
2: That's right. That's right. uh, Yeah. Hannibal Lecter has had a long history of being portrayed in film. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, yeah, Manhunter is great.
0: But It doesn't hold a candle really to what happened with Silence of the Lambs. And then later Red Dragon, if you're talking about the same story as Manhunter. But Silence of the Lambs is really what we're going to be focusing on here. And this is one of those pitches that I've done in the past where it's painful to do.
2: It really is. I struggled. I really did in trying to recast this. (laughs) They
0: they recast uh, Agent Starling and Hannibal. uh, And even Mm -hmm. then, it wasn't the same kind of tone at all for the character.
2: Not at all. There's Love some... you, Julianne Moore, but yeah. Yeah, and nothing
0: against Julianne Moore, yeah, but right. there's something very specific that Jodie Foster was doing in that role. Yeah. And um, I don't want to, you know, with a remake or a reimagining, you don't want to necessarily do the exact same thing because then you end That's up right. Gus Van Zandt doing Psycho.
3: Right, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yes. <laughs> you have to put your own swing on it, but with still enough of an appreciation for the original that you're paying proper hom- homage as well.
2: Yes, it's difficult. I think the last time that you had me on Smack My Pitch Up, we did The Exorcist, which was almost like equally sort of challenging because it's just one of those movies that is so iconic as it is um that it's that it's kind of uh like you said just difficult to um pay homage and make sure you're respecting the original without doing a uh, Vince Vaughn Anthony Perkins <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so. I will say I don't know if you uh if you watched the show Hannibal um and I'm not sure if you were planning to get into that at all but Mads Mikkelsen man as Hannibal is oh killed just, it chef chef's kiss so good
0: a fantastic job his own take on the character did not try to recreate it as it was on film did his own deal it was beautifully done had its own tone as a series did not try to just feel like silence of the lambs very impressed with it
2: yeah i cannot believe that show was on network television with the way that they (laughs) depicted the gore and the human cello and all that stuff it was just fantastic i hope they do a season four
0: so when you're looking at Hannibal, this has already been kind of remade in a way, or at least the same characters are being played with, right. Then, and it's done well, then yes. what is the justification for a new take on it? And that's right. something that I really considered besides this dumb show. but I
2: was going to say, just, just to talk with you. Just, yeah, right?
0: <laughs> no, but if, if you were to... Shits and giggles. Yeah, well, that's really ultimately what it comes down to, but <laughs> again, also just... To play around in this space and thinking about like what else could be said with this story is really what I'm was thinking right. about when coming up with this. So uh, for your version, you're, we're we're going to have two versions of piece. We've got our our real take, the maker reimagining reboot, what have you, that we think would be the best way to do it, and then we've got our remix version, which is just a. Like kind of wackadoo st- stab in the dark kind of
2: throwing the chianti out the window right just
0: you know, <laughs> throwing everything into it just like fucking around having fun with the property and just not even caring about whether it's g- a good idea or not
3: right right
0: when there's movies like wild wild west that are out there in the world then <laughs> some of our remix versions that are just for shits and giggles end up being so bizarre that they're almost brilliant
2: Oh, so, right. That's the genius of it. Oh, I it's love just, it. How wacky can we make it? <laughs> right. That's what's great about this show. <laughs>
0: now, with uh, with your real take on Silent mm-hmm. of the Lambs, uh, did you play with any of the storyline? Did you play with the tone at all? Did you kind of alter it in any kind of way or...
2: I really thought deeply about this Hobbit, and and you know I did because I really am a true blue uh, horror fan. And what I struggled with was, you, did you um, were you are you aware that there was a 2007 movie? It's, it's Hannibal Rising. It's based on sort of the prequel. Yes. It goes back into Hannibal's like where how he was born in Lithuania, what happened to him and his sister, and all that stuff. So I was like, man, it would be really fabulous if we could get because that movie is not not great. It's really not not good. yeah. No it would be really cool if we could, we could have a great uh, prequel, but um, I, I would first really love reading that novel. I have not read that, that Thomas Harris novel. Um, so I decided I wasn't adequately prepared to go with the prequel version. So I'm sticking with the original and okay. I'm just sort of um, recasting it. You know, this movie came out in 1991, so it was 30 years old. I think if there was ever a time to do a just sort of straight remake and that's, that's, that's uh, not usual for me. Usually, I like to take it a little different, sure. reimagine it for the modern times, and it, it does a little bit with the casting, but um, but I think the story itself is so great that uh, that it's it's pretty close to the original. Okay. Yeah. How about you?
0: I played with the tone just a little bit. Okay. But the as far as the storyline goes, it's pretty beat for beat with the original. There's going to be a couple twists and turns here, there, here and there, tiny little switches. Uh, that are going to play with how the characters interact with each other. But the main Uh focus of this version that I'm doing is to have kind of a political conversation to be added into it, where Hannibal is really kind of targeting the bougie rich as far as his victims uh, before he gets arrested. So he, although he has come to be kind of an upper-class person as a psychiatrist and everything, he's more the, like, the uh, wolf in sheep's clothing uh-huh. kind of where he's never felt like a part of that society and kind of condemns them for their, their selfishness, for their excess when there's so much else that he saw in Germany growing up that, you know, yeah. of, of just how it's, bad it can get.
2: Is this sort of like a Dexter tone where he almost has a, a code or a credence for his, his cannibalism sort of, or, or and not it's, really? It's
0: taking literally the term eat the rich
2: yeah. I
3: love it's, it. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh so that's
0: my God. that's literally what, what Hannibal's doing is that he's his, you know, his his whole thing is that though he has become kind of a member of the high society, he is kind of a class warrior in his uh-huh. own bizarre, twisted, fucked up way. And uh- and so he sees himself almost as <laughs> at at least an anti-hero, if not an actual hero, Sorry. by being somebody that is literally like people that are taking the excess of the world and he's turning them into foodstuffs into uh-huh. literally like,
2: like it's sustainable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The sustenance, you know, and <laughs> this uh is amazing. It's going to be a conversation. That's primarily why he has a connection with agent Starling who comes from like, you know, that whole line about you're just one generation from poor white trash kind of thing. That's
3: right. Yeah. But
0: it's more of just like testing her to see if she's trying to be, you know, rich and bougie or if she is uh-huh. very like, yeah, I am. And I'm proud of it. Kind of an attitude. And that's going to be more their it. interaction. So her, him kind of, Feeding her, you know, a little bit of information at a time because he he really likes her. That she's a go getter. She, yeah. but she's motivated because she's motiv- wants to do the job, not because she wants to be wealthy or well off. Right, right. It's,
2: she's it's, pure. it's a calling. She really is in, in there for the for the heart of it. Sure. Um, and and Hannibal's there to eat her heart of it. Yeah. <laughs> <Well> <laughs> but done. I do, I do think that Hannibal as a character, you know, he's such a sociopath, but I do think that he is a citizen. I really do. I do think that he would be making people sign the census or fill out the census and be like registered to vote and all that stuff um, because of exactly what you just said. He's so prominent in his circles, et cetera, that it was almost like he feels like he has to uh, he has a duty to do that uh, because he does everything with, you know, with uh, gusto and with such thoroughness that I definitely think he would be a citizen. I you would, would love... sign up for the mobile infantry and starship troopers.
0: I'd love to see that post on like <laughs> the Facebook local group about voting. Like Hannibal <laughs> Lecter says go vote or I'll eat your eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Exactly. Well, that's fantastic. I struggled enough with just thinking about the recasting of this film. You really took it to another level. So I'm super excited to hear who is um, cast in your sort of reimagined, remixed version of that. That's cool. Well,
0: I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't give myself too much credit with the idea of the eat the rich kind of tone because really the director that I chose okay. gave me the idea of adding kind of that like conversation. Informing the viewer of not only just a character study of this of Lecter, but also just kind of the society that he came from, and then yeah. the, that struggle of him being in prison and having to deal with like varying levels of um, of class in the legal system and with the FBI right. and the legal system, and uh, it's just that conversation, um, I thought would be really interesting to have based on my director. Now, uh, speaking of directors, oh, that my first thought. And I, you may have thought similarly. And I don't want to say who I thought of. It's not who yeah. I ended up going with, but there okay. was one director very quickly that jumped to mind uh, as a director. And I'm interested to see if that's something that you chose or at least considered. Uh-huh. Um, who Who is it that is doing your version of?
2: So I chose um, Lee Wannell, who is the director of The Invisible Man. Okay. Um, Yeah, because I really love the way he tells that story. And interestingly, um, not a surprise because I'm such a nerd. Um, I followed a live Twitter Q&A with him. They did like a Twitter, let's watch the movie together, Invisible Man. And he spoke so much about he, how he paid attention to literally every single detail, what the character's names were, what the like clothing was, what the paint color was on the wall. Like He was so in tune with all of the details that I thought he might be a director that would really take care and craft of this story and, and make something really cool about it, because he would do it, um, I think, thoroughly and correctly, as Lecter would want him to do. Sure. So that's who I chose. Um, and he's, you know, he's the guy, he's the actor that was in Saw um, opposite Carrie Elwes. That's how you pronounce it, right? Um, and uh, uh, so it's really cool to see him kind of, uh, you know, migrate from this actor in a really iconic horror role to now one of the up and coming horror directors on the scene. So I think that's pretty cool.
0: That is fantastic. And yeah. I really am bummed out that Invisible Man or th- that that mm-hmm. story was came out like around the beginnings of COVID and yeah. really didn't get an honest try in the theater because that's right. If you wanted to have a real go at doing the like dark universe as they've been trying to do for forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was, was it Blumhouse that came out with invisible with the man?
2: man? I, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah.
0: And I know that they've had uh, access or they got licensing to do a lot of the other original universal, universal monsters, monsters as monsters. well. Yeah. I feel like that's a great entry.
2: It is. Uh, Invisible Man. really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed
0: it. I'd be interested to see what they do with the other ones, but just like that, with all the problems they've had with starting the dark universe, Mm -hmm. to have a good one come out. (laughs) Yeah, a good one come out, and then COVID hits, and nobody saw it. Yeah, right. Paid to go to the theater. $20. Yeah, because it came out on demand, and you had to pay 20 bucks to
2: watch it, which of course I invested in. Um, but obviously, not a lot of people did, and, and I understand that. So, yeah, you're right. It'll be interesting to see if that uh, Universal Monster takes takes off. But, 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 who were you thinking? Who were you um, it, not who first? I went with,
0: but especially with you talking about Lumanel with his attention to detail that every yeah. color is considered for the background, for clothing, for how everything's set up. It, like it's, it's incredible detail. Um, yes. There is a director that is known for this. Which makes him one that some actors really like to work with because of the attention to detail, and some have had real struggles working with him in the past. Uh, David Fincher. Is he oh right
2: yeah, with... and that's a oh, god. I'm thinking of like Seven being the version of like Silence of the Lambs. That would be amazing. Oh, it'd be incredible. That, just <laughs> so, that grit, that just grittiness.
0: It, but and but the thing is, is it was the, that was a little on the nose. Yeah. As far as a choice, and also even though it would be maybe grittier than the original, because the original mm-hmm. I wouldn't say was gritty per se.
3: No,
0: wasn't overly really polished. So I, I I don't know. I feel like it would just be kind of the obvious choice, and that's not as fun yeah. to play with. So I decided. Right, right. I decided to go with a director that definitely has uh, some chops when it comes to talking about serial killers, but also when talking about uh, character study, while also exploring the nature of like the the class struggle. Uh-huh. I couldn't think of anyone better than uh, the director of American Psycho, Mary Heron.
2: Yes! As, uh, that is fantastic choice. Great and choice. also,
0: there, there's so much conversation in the original Silence of the Lambs about men and women and the dynamic there. And with the conversation of Buffalo Bill, who's not... This is where it's really delicate to you need a, a very gentle hand to have that conversation of this not being an actual transgendered person. This is That's right. This is a different animal entirely. It and Yes especially in modern day where there is a real important and awesome conversation being had where there's more visibility to the transgender community. I don't, I want to make sure that there's deft hands being utilized. when. I
2: completely uh, agree. Buffalo Bill's character did not particularly age well. And and, uh, there is a, uh, gosh, I wish I could think of the name of it. There is a fantastic documentary on Netflix right now that explores uh, representation of transgender actors and characters in film. And they reference Buffalo Bill as being one of those that, um you know, perpetuated that stereotype that transgender individuals are um, is somewhat mentally unstable or or that that's a mental illness, which is bullshit obviously. So sure. I think Mary Lambert would take that with with such grace and delicacy so what a, what a fabulous choice. love that She's a... and she obviously knows sociopaths.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly and also has worked um has done stuff with uh, like the l word with, Uh, characters in I Shot Andy Warhol that were, you know, transgendered or part of the LGBTQ community as well. So uh, has kind of dismissed the term of feminist director because she's put it as like, no, I'm a director. It's just that I try to make it realistic where there's realistic people from all sorts of different backgrounds. It's not like a feminist thing she's trying to do. She just is inclusive is all. And And I love that.
2: Yeah, I love that, too, and it's yeah. not due to their, like, identity of them being uh, a lesbian or gay or transgender. Like, that's not the plot point What I love about that. Yeah. It's, like, they're just a character in the story, and they're living their lives, and there's real, like, substance there. It's, it's... not because of who they are that exactly. or their identity that that becomes the focal point of the conversation. You know what I mean?
0: And Yeah, exactly, and and so it's not, like, a checklist that you're going down the yeah, list of, like, right. we've got a right. gay...
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: It's not just following a list. It's just casting it to have it a nice realistic variation of different archetypes of people that yeah. that you see on screen. But that's so, fabulous. So that's uh that's who I chose for my director. And Very then cool. you can absolutely have that conversation about like with American psycho, that's the main focus of the movie was talking right. about you know, this talk about wolf and sheep's clothing, uh, was Patrick Bateman in this, you right. know, high society kind of thing. So there's almost a continued conversation from that if in yes, this version of *Silence*, about
2: capitalism all right. and all that, all sure. that stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's I like that a
0: lot. Great choice. All right. Uh, speaking of choices here, we've got some casting to do. So if you are ready, I would love yes. to hear I, your buckle up. You just <laughs> run down your real take of uh, *Silence of the Lambs* and who you decided to cast for what characters.
2: All right. So. Again, I really struggled with this a lot. Um, this so was tough. Let's let's start right from the top, and that's that's Hannibal Lecter. Um, I thought about a, a couple of different actors first, including um, James McAvoy, because I loved him in Split. Mm-hmm. I thought about Idris Elba as just that like super classy um, British man who I thought also did, um, you know, he's obviously Stringer Bell on The Wire, so he's like great at playing that that sort of villain take, and I think sure. he could bring that intensity into this role. Um, I thought about Zachary Quinto uh, from American Horror Story. He was Spock in the new Star Trek remakes. I think he has a sort of creepy, ominous vibe. But ultimately, for Lecter, I went with Michael Fassbender, um, which almost might be an obvious choice as well, just because he brings a lot to every role that he is in. But I just felt he had that great combination. I I thought about Sean Bean, uh, but I didn't feel like he had that, uh, that, like, if there's something like that's that's it that sociopathic, like eye gaze. You know what I mean? Like oh, sure. they're not they're there, but they're not really there. Yeah. And I just felt like Fassbender could bring that to the table where <laughs> he can act like he's a real human, but he's actually really he's a cannibal and he's really not and he has these urges. So went with Fassbender on that one.
0: Nice. And if you have had the chance to see a movie called Shame that he was in. I haven't. It is him basically being like a sexual deviant. Uh, okay. And Perfect. having like, being like a sex addict, <laughs> and he has this yeah. very yeah dead eyed kind of look in mm-hmm. many of the scenes in that movie, and uh, I'm pretty sure you get to see his his Wang in that as well. So Even that's better, a added I'm, bonus. Uh, as
2: soon as we wrap up recording, yeah, go watch. Shane, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: good looking dude, I get it, and yeah. but he can definitely play that sociopathic kind of.
2: Time. Yeah, some people. I was I was like perusing some community boards, et cetera, trying to, like, get inspiration. And some people were saying Javier Bardem. And I'm like, you know, uh, yes, great, and and, uh, no country for old men, but, like, I just need it. It's a a different type of psycho in that movie, if that makes sense. Like, you really need that just sociopath, dead eyes you just said. Um, who can charm you, almost like that Ted Bundy, like you can earn your trust. Sure. But ultimately, I'm going to eat your liver type of type of deal.
0: Also, like one thing that I was having a struggle with with the casting was that I always try to consider diversity when casting where I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. at literally just the best actor for the role. Right. And, and not just try to cast based on race necessarily, unless that's part of the storyline, you know, unless yes. that has something to do with the character. So for like Lecter, for example... There is, in later in like Hannibal Rising and such, his German background that is yep. part of the character. And if you were to kind of explore with like a new run of Hannibal movies, I wouldn't want to like have have Javier Bardem per se. And then there's yeah, like, right. and he's I from Germany, and then it's just well, yeah. originally from Spain, but then went. <laughs> yeah, like you can know, make it
2: work, but like it would be it yeah, beats a lot. Because so. I also I thought about Kate Blanchett because God, she can just bring such an intensity to any role. Oh and yeah. She's, she, She's just phenomenal. She played Bob Dylan, obviously, and I was like, man, she could probably rock that role. Mm-hmm. Ended up going with Fassbender. So Clarice also struggled with. Thought about mm. Florence Pugh. Um, thought about a couple other actors. Ended up going with Lupita Nyong'o. Nice. Because yeah, I think even though Clarice, um, Lupita is is I think she's like thirty five ish in the in the yep. movie original. Clarice is like. Basically, graduate out of graduate school, et cetera. But I think Lupita would just—she's obviously a horror darling. She's got incredible acting chops. I think that she would um, really, really shine in this this role of of Clarice, of this woman who is um, trying to come up in the ranks, uh, trying to find find herself in general. As you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. like—is she in this to to climb the ladder, or is she in this because she's really? there for the the heart of the job, et cetera. So I think Lupita would, would actually
0: actually uh, kill that role. I absolutely agree. And she was on my short list as well for this yeah, role. Yeah, really? Yeah, it absolutely was. <laughs> and partly because uh, she's able to do the like badass when need be kind of role, but right. also yeah. what with Starling, there is this like wanting to prove themselves kind of tone to the yeah. character, uh, which yeah. gets fucked with by Lecter. So it's important to have an actress that can really portray that as being Capable,
2: vulnerable. yeah, yeah it, be capable and vulnerable at the same time. Yeah, and I, yeah,
0: Lupita's such a fantastic actress. There's no way she would do a bad job at that.
2: Right, right. So
0: yeah, um, absolutely.
2: Yeah, so after that, I uh, went with the Buffalo Bill type character. Okay. And I went with an actor, uh, um, Caleb Landry Jones. So Caleb Landry Jones, um, he's the he's got the striking red hair. He was in um, the the Twin Peaks Return. Uh, revival, he was in three three uh, billboards outside of Ebbing Missouri, okay. um, he's just got this really, what's the word almost like a Michael Myers type face where it's the shape, like his face just uh, it has a lot of intensity, it's got a lot of like uh, chameleon aspect to it sure. so he looks he looks a little creepy yeah. But uh but but charming and handsome enough that you might be like, yeah, I'll come help you like load your van, whatever, like no worries. Um, but he also kind of has that like, oh, I'm also psycho type of okay. type of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, look him up. Um, I think he would rock rock this role because I also thought about um Robert Pattinson for this role, who is just proven himself in my opinion Agreed. recently with some of the the roles that he's been in he's been doing a phenomenal job but went with caleb um because especially if you've seen the, the three billboards he brings a real intensity to that movie um opposite of francis mcdormand that i just feel like he could really play a serial killer well yeah. just like he's got something going on with him sure. like he, he got some issues yeah oh <laughs> yeah um, for, for Catherine, so Catherine is the woman in the well um, yep. and her young dog. lotion got puts your dog. Lotion on her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for the lady who puts the lotion on her skin, um, I, I went with an actress named uh, Danielle McDonald. And Danielle McDonald um, is best known for a role in a movie called Patty, Patty Cakes, which is about this white rapper in Philly, maybe trying to make it. She's also in a movie called Dumpling, which is... Um, this woman that she's obsessed with dolly parton she's opposite jennifer aniston Oh,
0: i've heard that's amazing i've heard Don't be- is so good i've you
2: heard need it's to really absolutely really good. watch it you'll okay. be singing the soundtrack forever it's so great <laughs> um it's all about dolly parton but uh she's a great actress she's in a lot of netflix um movies and uh i think she would just be perfect for this role nice uh senator uh ruth martin so she's she's got that when when she's kind of bans Hannibal and he's got sure. the mask on that character uh Patricia Clarkson okay brilliant actress um just seems senatory senatorial yep if, if that's a word to me Jack Crawford Clarissa Superior did you watch Castle Rock
0: I started to I, I got about okay. halfway through the first season and it's one of those things that I didn't dislike it but it just got didn't. distracted and just sure. never got back to it yeah
2: so in the first season of Castle Rock, there's an actor or a character named Matthew Deaver. He's the, the kind of central figure in that first season. Um, and it's an actor named Andre Holland. And I've seen him in, um, uh, he's been on like in musicals. He was in Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. He seems like a really versatile actor okay. to me. Um, so I, I would love to see how he would approach uh, the role of, of Crawford here. And then we already talked about the director Lee Wan Am I missing any central characters? I know there's a lot of uh um, supporting roles in Silence of the Lance, but I kinda just stuck with the who I felt were the Oh fair enough. The main players. The yeah.
0: o- only one that I have that you haven't mentioned is uh let's see, I've got everybody else that you mentioned besides uh Doctor Well, Frederick oh. Chilton.
2: Oh yes, yes, Chilton. Chilton. Frederick Chilton. Yeah. Yes. I, I, uh, I didn't cast him. I, uh, but yeah, you're right. He is a, he's definitely. A well, we got to trade off cause right?
0: I did not cast the Senator. So you got a, okay. s- a Senator choice <laughs> so we trade off
2: there. Yeah, and yeah. I've
0: got Frederick Chilton. <laughs> so we just steal each other's castings and we're good. Perfect. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly.
2: And Chilton's a, a great character in the show too. So yeah, he's a definitely a central one. Nice. So yeah. Who do you got?
0: Excellent. So we've got the Mary Heron directed, uh, version, all talking about class struggle and, uh, class and uh, race and sex, all the conversations about what puts you above or below other people, uh, conversation about kind of like the American prison system, which I would be interested to see how that kind of carries into the the story of Silence of the Lambs. And I feel like none of these things need to be focused on in the story of Silence of the Lambs. The story is the important part, but there's commentaries on there all of those notes that can be said with the story. I, I don't want it to to load up Silence of the Lambs with a bunch of stuff that it doesn't have room for. You know, the story will yes. inform that conversation. So.
2: Did you see the uh, remake of Suspiria?
0: Uh Yes.
2: That is a, like, a heavy movie. There's, yes. like, a lot, a meaty movie, and I think that's <laughs> yeah. what you're saying. Like, yeah, there's exactly. there's a lot going on. So, yeah, I'm with you there.
0: Yeah, there's a little more meat on the bones here.
2: Yes. <laughs> and
0: uh, so for Clarice, we were definitely thinking kind of a similar approach. I a short list was Lupita. I decided to go with, actually, Letitia Wright, also from oh, Black nice. Panther as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Shuri from Black Panther. She was also in Ready Player One. She was in an episode of Black Mirror. Letitia has done a lot of, like, sci-fi stuff and kind right. of, like, lighter, fun, still very well-acted stuff, And but you can kind of tell that that actress has the chops to do something a little bit meatier that could really, yeah. like, dig in really go for the the acting you know the the oscar yeah. moment scenes in yeah and clarice has those moments all over this film and i really want to give leticia the opportunity to kind of inform that role you know
2: i don't mean to be a millennial about this statement but um but but remind me was obviously jodie foster won the oscar for this movie but and i know she was a child actress but but is that was that her breakout role and what I mean by this is I think it's great to cast, like you're saying, someone who has been in a lot of like really big films, but almost needs that like breakout role herself. Does that make sense? Like uh, Lupita has been, she's an Oscar you know, winning actress herself sure. or nominated, but I can't remember if Jodie Foster had already been in like a ton of stuff. I believe she was the than...
0: youngest nominated in history up to that point for her role in Taxi Driver, if, Thank I, you. if I remember That's, correctly. Yeah. yeah, That's
2: right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, but uh, besides that, you know, she had done plenty in between, but I think it w- between Taxi Driver and Silence of the Lambs, there wasn't anything that was as iconic as those two roles.
2: Right, so, right. But, yeah, exactly.
0: But Letitia Wright, I think she's due for a real, like, heavy lifting role. Right, and,
3: yeah, uh, and for I'd sure. And I'd love to see
0: what she would do with, with Clarice. Now, Hannibal Lecter is very difficult because you want somebody that's charming, that yes. is well-spoken, feels uh, like you can tell that they have some... Uh, some culture behind them, mm-hmm. but also with that like burning kind of like sociopathic like background behind yeah. it, just seeding, That's seething it. under the skin. And there was an actor that really impressed me with this and I love him to death. He can play charming and lovable. He can play uh, dark and depraved and any kind of variance in between speaks multiple languages as, uh, in, in, and also uh, German Descent as well, so it fits properly with Hannibal Lecter, is uh, Christoph Waltz.
2: Yes, he was on my short list, too. Yes, uh, I, I think th- he would be incredible.
0: He would do such a good job as yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Yeah. There, there were very few actors on my shortlist for Hannibal Lecter because there, it takes a certain kind of actor b- to portray him. It does. Yeah,
2: right. it does. Um it, Interestingly, if you go back and watch Silence of the Lambs, I don't know why, but I remember, and I've seen it many, many times, but I always forget that Anthony Hopkins is is not um uh how can I say this like he's not frail but he's not like a big presence physically no. you know what I mean he's not he's really like a just a normal dude and and Christoph Waltz fits that perfectly sure um he's he's just that like uh exactly what you said that God man I think he would be a great 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 candidate for well, sure
0: because I was actually considering uh, Idris for a moment for this role. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, just because of that, like charming... too. Like but he's a. Yeah.
3: That's
0: the thing is, I felt that it was more that he would be too imposing, and that's not what I wanted yeah. to portray with Hannibal Lecter. I wanted somebody a yeah. little bit normal sized, you know, just
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. You, you 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 a, yeah, You could
0: see as a Yeah, you could see as a therapist, or you know. Like I
2: love just... that we were thinking that same that same way yep. there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we've gotten close to each other, or actually, just in different versions on a couple. Actually, so yeah. <laughs> then we've got uh, Jack Crawford, the boss. Mm-hmm. of us uh, agent starling i went ahead and went with a uh, gender switch here and and for good reason actually is that i sexuality as far as starling goes is never really pushed a whole lot there's right. there's the conversation about her boss but with uh lecter about the yeah. whether the boss like is interested or not but that doesn't necessarily mean that the boss has to be male um no. and it doesn't really matter what her orientation is at all because it's not really a consideration the boss thing. Right, it's more about whether right. there's interest or not so I thought it'd be interesting, especially since this actress has been in a a few of Mary Heron's films, including I Shot Andy Warhol and uh, the Notorious Betty Page as well. You also know her from The Haunting, Say Anything, High Fidelity, Lily Taylor.
2: I love Lily Taylor. Love
0: her to death. She is so adorable, but also could be like, you could see her as like a, I mean, business boss authority figure as well. And I thought it'd be interesting in that conversation about, your role in society based on kind of your upbringing and also your your where you are in the class system based on you know right. how much money you have um to have her boss as a woman so there's almost this like not not girl power as you would put it but this kind of
3: yeah
0: i got your back kind of tone because which of is so their relationship exactly and it yeah. is kind of informed by the fact of like knowing that you have to back up because it's so hard for a woman to get further along in a career than a man, it's almost this kind of like a culturally assumed dynamic that they are kind of looking out for each other. So, Right. And also just, you know, I'd love to cast actors that directors love to keep in their films. So that would be Lily Taylor as well.
2: I love her so much.
0: Oh, me too. She's, oh, she's so adorable. Ever since Say Anything, when she's like playing the guitar at, for the <laughs> dude, will you talk to her? You're tearing her apart. He's like, no, I just like her songs, man. <laughs> love it.
2: And horror. Um, she obviously she was great in The Conjuring, so she's already yep. had the, yeah, exactly. And Very uh, cool.
0: did what you could in The Haunting.
2: Uh, <laughs> <was> <laughs> I my... know. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was twelve, going on thirteen. but yeah, boy, <laughs>
0: you can only polish a <laughs> turd so much.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So then we've got the role of Frederick Chilton, the uh, the doctor at the uh, at the prison, and I wanted somebody that could kind of play. A little bit skeezy and slimy, you know, but also that like fake smart, where like I am very smart, like the kind of person that informs other people of how smart they are, kind of smart. Yeah. Which yeah. I got that vibe from that doctor in there of being like, I'm working on my book, and you know, I need information oh, for, for sure. my book. Yeah. And that kind of like skeezy, I'm
2: going after my 15th degree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this opportunistic
0: kind of vibe as well. And I thought it'd be really fun to see what uh, John Malkovich could do in that role.
2: That's hysterical. Uh, would, yeah, that'd be
0: great. He has a great way of kind of throwing comedic elements into uh, actual serious acting where it's not, yes. he's not really winking at the camera so much, but he can make us playing it straight. He can make it very funny sometimes. And I think yes. there's a lot of opportunity for this, the doctor, to be almost kind of a uh, comic relief without ruining the tone of the scene uh-huh. at the same time. And uh-huh. I think Malkovich would be able to really. Play that balancing act.
2: Just the caricature of that character yeah. in, in a very serious way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, love so
0: that. He would he would have a lot of fun in that role too. I think too, it's just like the, the smarmy, like <laughs> self-important doctor at a prison that's like opportunistic. It'd be it'd be fun for him, I think. Yeah. Then we've got Catherine Martin, the lady in the well, and there are a few considerations here because there's talk about her age, there's talk about her size for making yep. the suit. So I I did want to you know. I didn't want to give away a role that was meant for a, uh, a plus-sized mm-hmm. actress to a smaller-sized actress. And I, I kind of deviated on this back and forth. I had a lot of struggle in finding the right actress. And then I found one in a uh, relatively young act- actress that I uh, was very impressed with in a, in a comedy role. But also there's room here for just a shit-talking person. Can, you know, uh-huh.
3: can oh, know, yeah, in, yeah.
2: In
0: comedy role, there could be a lot of fun there. Um, in a serious situation, I went with uh, Beanie Feldstein. Oh, love it. Yeah, from Booksmart. From Booksmart. Uh, yeah. She's also been in, uh, she was Molly in Booksmart. She was in Neighbors 2. She was in Ladybird. Yeah. And she yeah. could play the, Great like, actors. funny bitchy kind of thing pretty right. well. And I think that would be interesting in the conversation, like, the, the girls got to stick together kind of vibe of her just being like, no, fuck you, dude. Kind of attitude <laughs> yeah. towards uh, Buffalo Bill. I think it would be a lot of fun. And then we've got finally Buffalo Bill. This was the most difficult to cast for me because I didn't want to like go with an andro- androgynous actor uh, yeah. to play an androgynous because then that kind of lends to the conversation of like, are, is is Buffalo Bill trans or not? This it furthers
2: like, that stereotype. I
0: wanted right? it to go more where this is more the kind of Norman Bates side of things, where this is a person uh-huh. with like severe uh, emotional issues from, you know, previous trauma that are dealing with it in a weird way and trying to engage as a trans person, but like, it's clearly not like dealing with this, yeah. like body dysmorphia and like the, what lends itself to that conversation. This is just a yeah. like person that's psychotically broken from society and right. is handling it in strange ways. And so I wanted an actor that could really put across that kind of broken, just fundamentally broken kind of tone, but also could be, charismatic enough in certain situations that you Mm -hmm. would help them load a couch into a into a van
3: Mm -hmm. and
0: I thought you know also with there's like tattoos are part of the conversation with Buffalo Bill as well and Uh, I thought about that as well I thought it would be really interesting as much as I'm not a huge fan of this actor as a person I can't deny how good an actor Shia LaBeouf is
2: Oh uh, yeah. And, oh man. And he's great at acting, uh, eccentric. If exactly. You will. <laughs> and that
0: kind of like if Vince Vaughn had just done a bump kind of level of acting where he's yeah. stuttering and, you know, and I, uh, you know, that kind of, <laughs> I thought it'd be interesting. And I kind of played through different scenes of him, like at the door when agent Starling knocks on the door mm-hmm. and, you know, was she a great, big fat person and just like little lines and just thinking about it with Shia in the role. And I was able to pretty immediately see what kind of choices he would have made in that scene to make it his own, uh-huh. um, just by kind of the nature of the actor. And it, I think it really works. And
2: I think it really works, too. I feel like if you asked Shia LaBeouf what his dream role would be, he would be like, it's Buffalo Bill. I just want to play a <laughs> psychopath, because that is my true form.
0: For him to just be able to go full unhinged like that, I think. Yeah, Just. That moment, that it's it's definitely informed by uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where she's screaming at the bottom of the well, and he screams back down at uh-huh. her again. Yep,
3: just yep. <laughs> Shia
0: being able to just huff and chest like yeah <laughs> at the girl from Booksmart.
3: So,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love that because that's a thing. Buffalo Bill is based on Ed Gein, um, a serial killer from Wisconsin who liked to uh, skin skin humans and make lamps and stuff out of that. And I feel like Shia LaBeouf might actually have a house full of uh, skin lamps at home. So I love that. That's your choice. That really, that tracks.
0: There's (laughs) even that song about Shia LaBeouf where it says actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. So it's almost like this was meant to be.
2: (laughs) Made for him. (laughs) Yes.
0: So that that was a a fun realization for the character uh, that that would be a good fit, but also I think it is actually a pretty good casting.
3: Yeah. Nice job.
0: All right, now we're getting into the fun side of things. Yeah. We're I'm talking really about excited. the re- re- remix, which I won't have to say that way if any of our listeners just send in a little jingle thing that we can throw in <laughs> there for the remix version.
2: Can you help a hobbit out? Please? Yes,
0: uh, so I don't have to re- 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 remix anymore. It's more for my guests that they don't have to hear that every time they're on. <laughs>
3: All
0: right, so for the remix, basically, it's oftentimes... Coming at the source material from a different angle, um, a different approach to it, different tone, different uh, genre, oftentimes, yep. and uh, just to see what it would look like that way, it's kind of a, a mental exercise, if you will, on uh, fan casting. So for for your remix version of Silence of the Lambs, is what what kind of tonal or uh, or genre changes are you doing here?
2: So, I had a glass of wine, and then I decided that I wanted to, and just one glass, which is great because I was completely sober still, but uh, (laughs) um, I I like uh, wordplay, so I decided to base my story off of a title that I came up with. So, the title of my wacky remixed version of Silence of the Lambs is called Silence of the Jams, and... (laughs) silence silence of the jams is about an up-and-coming club promoter who speaks to a disgraced former dj now in prison after setting multiple fires to many different uh concert venues about why a mysterious string of murders are happening at his clubs
0: wow clubs in this case. okay so you're yeah. gonna you have like some Stereotypical club kid stuff happening yes, in the for world. For sure, of 1000%. Silence of the Lambs.
2: We're oh, going wow. full on, yeah, scene kids, all that
0: great oh, stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's like Silence of the Lambs meets Party Monster kind of vibe to it. Yes. yes. For
3: sure.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That is definitely not a take I even considered with my remix. So that's, <laughs> that's solid. I decided to kind of leave it more in the procedural approach to okay. uh, it, where I wanted very witty writing and like funny, but very like fast paced procedural mm-hmm. FBI, more of the FBI side of it. And then
3: okay.
0: like some slowdowns when talking to Lecter, but the rest of it is just like, go, go, go. People talking on the phone, you know, just like really <laughs> witty, rapid repertoire of like yeah. that happens so often in uh, in procedural shows. And also with this director, this is a, a writer. Predominantly, that has written some of the greatest movies of A Few Good Men, a writer of uh, a, a ton of stuff, including The West Wing, oh, the wow. show creator. Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, uh, yeah. who only recently, as of 2017, started directing, has only two directing credits currently, and that's Molly's Game, which is now available on Netflix, and coming out soon. Not even out yet, so only has one movie out that he's directed ever, and he's been writing some of the greatest, like, yeah. like political or military newsroom, uh, things yeah, since yeah. like the early 90s and only now started directing. Um, and Trial of the Chicago 7, which has a stellar cast, uh, also is uh, is his as well. and That's coming out pretty soon. Um, so I'm doing an Aaron Sorkin Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> so there's a little bit of crossover with actors that, and actresses that he's worked with in the past with like writing or directing roles, but there's more so just who would fit an Aaron Sorkin version of this, which is I mean, quick, like quick. Everybody's, right. everybody's walking and talking all the time. Like there's yes. the only time that it slows down is because Hannibal Lecter's in a cage. So that's <laughs> the only time that you have everybody's to stop.
2: Everybody's really witty, very competent, very uh, confident in what they're doing. It's yes. great. I love a Sorkin writing. Oh, uh, that's yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It,
0: so, so it's just going to be super fast paced and like witty and Sor- Sorkin-y.
2: And anybody that's seen <laughs> West,
0: West Wing or Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip or Newsroom, uh, yeah. It's that kind of tone that I'm going for, but with FBI, I uh, FBI procedural.
2: So. I was going to say, this probably focuses a lot more, as you just said, like in the office of the FBI uh, employees, maybe more than, uh, or or maybe not of of being in, in the cell with Lecter, as you just mentioned.
0: Okay. I'm, a quick aside on how I came to this conclusion very uh-huh. quickly, because it doesn't make sense at first. I was inspired to do Aaron Sorkin as the, uh, as the director for this version, because we just watched Return of the King last night. (laughs) Now, hang on 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 that explanation is that what I love about Return of the King is that, well, the story is, the through line is very simple that there's these two hobbits walking to a mountain to throw a ring into lava. And that's like the the main story arc is them getting there. But as that's happening, there's complete fucking chaos that's happening all across Middle Earth. Wars are being fought. People are dying. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a big coup happening. Like there's, there's tragedy and and uh, and backstabbing and all sorts of craziness going on.
2: It sounds like 2020.
0: Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, but that is all kind of happening outside of the main storyline for the most part. And I saw kind of a parallel with Silence of the Lambs a little bit, of there being the main storyline is Agent Starling getting help from hannibal Lecter to find buffalo bill that's the that's yeah. it's two people that's trying it. to get yeah. a thing and then there's all the rest of the fbi and the raiding the wrong house and all this other stuff that wasn't uh, played with as much as it could have been all the crazy extra stuff and mm-hmm. if there's one person that can do a bunch of crazy fast-paced walking and talking stuff it's sorkin that can oh, kind of for sure. build it out yeah. to being more than just the story about like Lecter and Starling and Buffalo Bill. That it, it's I love
2: really, it. Absolutely. Like, if yeah. Allison Jamie is not in your remix, then I'm going to be so mad.
0: Ah. <laughs> no, I considered it, but as far as like,
2: no, there's so many Sorkin. That, oh yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot of material to choose from for
0: sure. So uh, an actress from, uh, I'll, I'll just go through my list and then if you want to yeah, go through yours. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It pretty well informs just by what they've been in before, or it just makes sense. For Starling, I went with the actress that was in Molly's Game. Uh, she's also in The Help, so she can do a southern accent. It's Chapter Two Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Jessica Chastain as Starling. I think in a Sorkin uh, jam, uh, jo- Sorkin joint, then uh, I think she would do all right. Then for Dr. Hannibal Lecter, because we definitely were kind of circling around the same stuff, uh, from Steve Jobs, X-Men, Prometheus, and Shame, Michael Fassbender. Nice.
3: Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I, I,
0: I on my remix, did Fassbender.
3: <laughs>
0: then for uh, Jack Crawford, it was Jill Crawford in the original. Remember, I did Lily Taylor. Yep. For this one, I am going with uh, with Jack Crawford, the boss that's really supportive and you're not quite sure what the motivations are there. Mm-hmm. I decided to go from newsroom and the Martian and Steve jobs, uh, Jeff Daniels.
2: What an American treasure. Yes. I just love him. And he's worked with yeah. Sorin,
0: uh, Sorkin a lot, actually yeah. not, not just yeah. Steve jobs in newsroom, but, uh, several other things that Sorkin has been the show creator on or the writer.
2: Talk about a versatile actor, by the way.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah. You, you can go from dumb and dumber.
2: Right. To, uh <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: So I think he would do great as the boss. Uh, then we're yeah. going into Dr. Frederick Chilton, the uh, the slimy skeezy doctor at the prison. And I had to. I love him to death. He was in Studio 60. He was in West Wing. Uh, he was also the dad in Get Out. Bradley Whitford.
2: Love Bradley Whitford Absolutely so much.
0: Adore him.
2: I will watch *Cabin in the Woods* every day until I die and not get sick of his character because he's so great, so perfect, he's so good. Yeah,
0: he is aging like a fine wine, too. Oh
2: like, my god, Silver Fox, love he, him. Yeah,
0: he's getting into what uh, what uh, my girlfriend calls a zaddy. Zaddy? Oh, he's
2: a total zaddy. Yeah,
0: he's turning into a zaddy. I'm only br- kind of getting the grasp on what that is. Huh? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's a zaddy. But yeah,
2: and I. You know, you gotta. I'm sorry to go on a tangent, but the the transition from Bradley Whitford circa Cabin in the Woods to Bradley Whitford circa Get Out is jarring in the most amazing to my lady parts way. <laughs> like he is, it's great, and he's great in the Handmaid's Tale. So he he's another versatile actor that can play like anything you put him. Absolutely,
0: to, so. and yeah. I think he would have so much fun as the like skeezy doctor at the prison.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Then
0: we've got Catherine Martin in the Well. And I wanted somebody that could definitely play, like, the scared and, like, freaked out, but also, like, mm-hmm. lash out kind of character. Uh-huh. And uh, this is an actress that worked in Newsroom, was in Newsroom, was also also in Picard as capable, but still kind of self-concerning. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, Goon, Vice, Alison Pill. Is oh, my, I love uh, Alison Pill. I, I love Alison Pill, too. And she's,
2: yeah, that is such a Sorkin of character because she's so... Um, Just intelligent. She's really, really. uh, She's a really phenomenal actress. She was. I don't know if you're an American Horror Story person, but um, she was in the season Cult and did a great job with that. I think that's. I think that's great because she would be in the well, being like like heckling Buffalo Bill a little bit, but like
0: (laughs) yeah, Uh, getting his goat pretty well. Yeah, I I think it'd be really fun to see her in that role. And then finally, we got Buffalo Bill, and I wanted to go creepy weirdo. Uh, but that this was really challenging. I decided to go with an actor that was in a show that reminded me of Sorkin, but wasn't Sorkin, called The Morning Show. And that's an Apple TV show that has... I haven't uh, watched
2: it. Is that with Reese Witherspoon?
0: Uh, Reese Witherspoon and... Uh, Jennifer Aniston, right? Jennifer Aniston no. as well. Yeah. And yeah. Steve Carell. No, I haven't watched it. It is very good. Very, very good. And it it's not quite as manic as uh, Sorkin stuff is, but it has mm-hmm. that Kind of approach a little bit.
2: What is that stream on again?
0: Uh, that's Apple TV.
2: Apple TV, yeah. yeah.
0: But I very much enjoyed the show, and this actor is also known for uh, his time in the league, and also was the creator and uh, main actor in Creep One and Two. <gasps> uh,
3: I love him.
2: I
0: thought it would be really fun to see in a in a Sorkin joint, uh, Mark Duplass as Buffalo Bill.
2: Would I love be. his tender, sensitive heart. He's so great. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, I love him. That's great.
0: <laughs> but he also knows how to be, like, really, like, angry bitchy. Not, like, ang- Oh, my scary. God, yes. Not scary sure. angry. I wanted it more just like the, like, not get my way kind of approach with yeah. uh, with Buffalo Bill in the Sorkin version. So it would just be him just, like, knocking shit over on a table, just, like, having a hissy fit when shit isn't going his way.
2: He's so great, and I love I love the Creep movies. I know um, I think that's one that's like a little polarized, but uh, I love both of them. So if you like Mark Duplass, watch that. They're both on they're both on Netflix, I I think. So great choice, love that.
0: Oh yeah. Now, what is your casting for your remix?
2: Yeah, so again, so we're talking about Silence of the Jams in. In which a club promoter is trying to figure out why there's a string of mysterious murders at his event venue, and he's talking to a disgraced former DJ, now in prison. Uh, so so I, my character is called DJ Hannibal Lecter, and that Jesus. is, for, for some reason, DJ Hannibal Lecter, I chose Henry Rollins to play, <laughs> um, which is not a DJ, obviously, but... Is uh, a great you know love him in, in the Wrong Turn series. He's, he's, he's Henry Rollins. How can you not yeah. have him in a in a musically based um, Silence of the Lambs uh, parody and or remix? So Henry Rollins. Is oh, he can do menacing. Collector. Yeah. Oh, right. For sure. From like, absolutely. From, yeah.
0: Wrong Turn to uh, he never died to his yeah. his role in uh, in Sons of Anarchy.
2: Yeah. He, he, a- absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yes, he was like top of my list. Had to be had to be dj hannibal lecter <laughs> um the club promoter is who is trying to talk to dj hannibal lecter and figure out why all these murders are happening um i've, I've named her clarice starlight and Jesus. i went with K- kiki palmer who is uh, a singer slash actress she's great um and I, I think she would just be great as clarice starlight starlight um <laughs> <Clarice> starlight no <laughs> She's the club promoter. Her name is Clary Starlight. Uh, Currently
0: DJ Hannibal Lecter might be the name of this episode because I can't get that (laughs) image out of my head of like with the (laughs) headphones on, just wiki wiki.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So Buffalo Bill in my version has become renamed as Buffalo chill. And Buffalo chill is a, a uh, murderer who's pissed off at Clarice Starlight because of all these uh, venues that she's creating in his neighborhood and she's gentrifying the neighborhood and he hates it. So that role goes to Pete Davidson. Um, nice. Okay. Yeah, because he's just uh, an anomaly in itself and I think he could play a, a psychopath pretty well.
0: I was told, so, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, it, it very likely is, Pete Davidson is actually the origin of the term "big dick energy."
2: Oh, interesting! I because did not know when, that. When
0: he was with Ariana Grande, there were several pictures okay. of him, of her looking at him yes. in a way that doesn't isn't explained by the way he looks. Yeah, like
2: that makes so much sense. Looking at so him
0: great. like he, he's a steak kind of look in his in her eyes, and. It, it came out like on Twitter, I think it was that people were calling it big, he, that big dick energy. Yes,
2: it, it has to be gotta because be. he looks like a literal vampire. Like yeah, he has like <laughs> he looks he looks a little sickly. Um but but yes. So Pete Davidson is Buffalo Chill in this movie. Um Senator Ruth Martin becomes club owner Ruth Martin, and that is played by Debbie Harry.
0: Ooh, nice Who is okay
2: is just the icon of my entire life oh, who Ste- inspired me Ste- every single day. Yeah. Um so she's she's helping to figure out what's going on with Clarice Starlight. Uh, Catherine, um, who is club owner Ruth Martin's daughter, Catherine is an up-and-coming artist who gets kidnapped by Buffalo Chill and thrown into the dingy basement of one of the clubs. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, Catherine, who is the daughter of club owner Ruth Martin, played by Debbie Harry, she is played by L. King, who sang X's and O's. You know that song? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Detective Jack Crawford is obviously played by Ludacris, because, <laughs> obviously. And then the the director is, the director is Mick G.
0: No. Mick G. <laughs> no. But no, for your version that you're but talking it about, had it, it's perfect. Yeah.
2: It had to be done. Yeah. Exactly, it is. Uh, it is every Smash Mouth and um, Sugar Ray video that you ever uh, that haunts your dreams. Oh, that God. is this movie.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. And yeah. Then of course, also recently was the sequel to the Babysitter that just came out on yes, uh, on Netflix,
2: which I highly recommend. It was, it was really good. As
0: long as you don't want anything to, you don't need anything to make sense, and no. you just want just a like big, dumb, fun movie, then it's yes. absolutely that. So yes, agreed. Yeah,
3: agreed.
0: Okay. <laughs> We've got a couple mashups here before we continue on with our trailers. So, uh, um, these are we got a bunch of suggestions. I only went with a few of them, uh, just kind of run through real quick. The first one was from our friend Jack, my uh, my dungeon master. Um, dungeon master Jack suggested the suicide squad for (laughs) uh, a mashup with Silence of the Lambs. Um, now there's a couple (laughs) ways we could do this, but Mm -hmm. the first one that I thought of was the idea of. Hannibal Lecter being in the Suicide Squad.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. But is he Hannibal Lecter in the Suicide Squad, or is he, or does one of the members of the Suicide Squad become Hannibal Lecter? Like, is Jared Leto's Joker now Hannibal, or does Hannibal the character become Suicide Squad?
0: I think you just throw in Hannibal Lecter. It's just like (laughs) it's just just there, and totally have him play it straight, where everybody's in these dumb costumes and like being super wackadoo comic book, and Uh Hannibal Lecter being like what the fuck is going on?
2: Yes, I love that.
0: He's like eating people's faces, and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, gruesome as hell, and they're like...
2: They're like, Lecter, come on, (laughs) man. Yes.
0: I could have just thrown my boomerangs at him, and he's like, no, I wanted to eat their face, and they're just horrified.
2: I feel like Harley Quinn would get with him.
0: Oh, she'd be kind of into it, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, exactly. Love that.
0: Next one is, uh, and this is a pretty clear... Deal here is uh Dexter, uh, our friend Tondi. Yes. suggested Dexter. Which
2: is sort of what you were. I mean, I know I asked you. I didn't even know. Obviously, we colluded before this episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, but when you talked about sort of uh, Lecter having not a creed, but but he had almost a reason. Sure. To, and that was to eat the rich. And I yeah. love that. Yeah. So, um, I think that's that's a fantastic. And then Clarice could be his sister, who uh, they might have ancestral relations. We don't know. Um, so yeah, that.
0: that got weird. Uh, <laughs>
2: <that's>
0: <laughs> un- unnecessarily, it's just like you know what? Yeah. Let's make them in love with each other. What?
2: what? Oh, all right. Yes. That's Lecter becomes a lumberjack. It's just yeah. it's all sorts of weird. <laughs>
0: But also, yeah, you, you could have him teaming up against all sorts of other serial killers. Throw, fucking, throw it in like Norman Bates comes to Florida. Fucking, mm-hmm.
2: right, exactly. Fuck
0: Even get in the slashes. Get Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Have them show up. <laughs> fuck it. He's...
2: I almost thought of John Lithgow as as a Hannibal Lecter character because oh, he yeah. was so good in so
3: Dexter. Good. Yeah, as,
2: yeah. So maybe Lecter is facing off with the Ice Pick Killer. That was his name. I can't remember whatever his name was in the uh, in Dexter. So yeah, nice. That's good.
0: And then we've got this is from my mom, uh, decided <gasps> to and I have not seen this movie, so I'm I'm not sure how to inform it. Uh, she said okay. maybe Hannibal Lecter wanted a snack, and <laughs> wanted us to mash it up with Daddy Daycare. So <laughs> there's my mom Wait, it... s- suggesting cannibalizing children. So that's <laughs> good. That's great.
2: Well, a I love your mother so much, <laughs> um, and and b. Uh, Maybe Lecter is a parent of one of the children in the daycare and yeah during snack time he's like I don't got time to go buy Capri Suns and um, little bags of pretzels so I'm just going to use the woman that I chopped up last night and put it into a nice little quiche and that'll be sent to the daycare and uh, that'll be that.
0: And then he ends up like meeting the parents on like pickup time, and he doesn't get along with some of them, and decides to eat their faces. Yeah, and... yeah
2: exactly. Oh, he's for sure the the head of the uh, PTA or whatever oh, sure. that is yeah. for the daycare. <laughs> that's that's very funny.
0: <laughs> and then finally, uh, Mike Reiser suggested killing Eve as a mashup with. Uh, oh,
2: and nice.
3: And I've gotten
0: a chance to see Killing Eve or some of Killing Eve, and uh, yeah, I think that could really work. It's a cat and mouse kind of storyline yes. with uh, Eve, who's the former like. FBI person that kind of goes deep cover to try to find this Russian serial killer or Russian hit woman. And, uh, they become kind of obsessed with each other. And I feel like that dynamic happens with Starling and Hannibal as well.
2: It does. But it especially happens in the, uh, TV adaptation of, of, uh, Hannibal. That is like, um, Hugh Dancy's character, uh, will, Graham uh ends up being like almost uh like just what you said that cat and mouse with Hannibal and they end up sure. almost in a romantic relationship a lot of people suggested that they were they were really in love with each other so I think that's good that's a nice. solid solid suggestion riser
0: hell yeah all right well let us get into the uh trailers here now I think I'm gonna have more fun doing the Aaron Sorkin version myself for the trailer <laughs> so I'm gonna go that route uh what version do you think you're gonna do for your trailer
2: I'm definitely
0: going with Silence of the Jams. Yeah, Silence of the Jams. Okay. Let me get some music going. One moment.
1: From the mind behind West Wing, Molly's Game, and coming soon, Trial of the Chicago Seven, Aaron Sorkin comes a new take on the classic film Silence of the Lands. Clarice Darling is an up and coming FBI agent and is trying to prove her mettle in a fast paced all man environment. And helping her along the way is her boss, Jack Crawford, played by Jack, uh, Jeff Daniels. Jack, Daniels. Jack, Daniels. Uh, played by Jeff Daniels, who's. does his best to help her along the way. When she needs help solving a terrible series of murders, she has to go to the one person she didn't expect to, a serial killer, Hannibal Lecter, played by Michael Fassbender. This fall, Dr. Frederick Chilton, played by Brad Whitford, does his best to get information out of Hannibal Lecter for his own means while Starling is trying to get it for the betterment of mankind. To stop, Mark Duplass, Buffalo Bill. This fall, join, join Catherine Martin, Martin in a well, played by Anna's Alison Phil, as she steals Buffalo Bill's dog and our hearts. This fall, <laughs> FBI <laughs> Files,
0: Silence of the Lambs.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a true crime documentary, I love it.
0: Really? That's... <laughs> sort of what I was going FBI for
2: files.
0: The FBI files that's probably on like ID discovery or something there's probably already a show called that for all I know so, so not not a terribly high bar for you to um to go against here I
2: Thought really. it was amazing yeah. and I have nothing prepared so this is really off I cuff.
0: did not either so uh that you're, it's,
2: you're always good at that the no, last time that I prepared
0: is mine so not true uh, but, uh thank you so much for saying that so you're going to be doing your uh, Silence of the Jams.
2: I'm ready.
0: In
1: a world in a year where you could not have any concerts at all because of COVID-19, <laughs> comes a movie about concerts and going to concerts. An up-and-coming club promoter speaks to a disgraced former DJ, now in prison after setting fires to multiple venues about why a string of murders are happening at his clubs. Henry Rollins stars as DJ Hannibal Lecter. Wiki, wiki. Pete, Pete Davidson brings the comedy as Buffalo Chill, and Debbie
3: Harry comes in all of our hearts as Club Under the Come view the terror of what happens into the underground music
1: scene in Silence of the Jazz. Directed
0: by Nick G. <laughs> wonderful absolutely <That's> wonderful <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's part of the fun of this like the yeah. trailers is it's I think more fun when they're bad personally but I uh so bad in
3: the I, best way. thank
0: you so much for going on this journey with me through Silence of the Lambs uh we it's really hard to improve on a virtually perfect movie but uh, yeah. we we tried but and
2: I, we did. No, I'm just kidding. We tried,
0: tried, yeah. (laughs) We we pretty much failed, but I think that was assumed going in. (laughs) But we would like to hear from you on what you think would be your choice of casting for this movie or who you think would be uh, the best or worst director to choose for Silence of the Lambs. Also, what do you want to see pitched on future episodes, TV, films, uh, book adaptations, comic books, what have you? Uh, Let us know what you want to see happen here on Smack My Pitch Up. And also definitely check out com for all your, uh, micro blog and horror podcast needs. Uh, Katie has been an absolute wealth of information for us here at GUI, um, on times on our main show. And well, I think all the shows at this point you've been on.
2: <laughs> wherever you need me.
0: Think, yeah. You started on GUI and you were so good there that everybody was like, okay, I need you to come on my show now too. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: always happy to hang and drink wine for yeah sure. absolutely <laughs> i
0: i love that you are so committed you're drinking the chianti while having this conversation as well it's perfect
2: always on theme absolutely <laughs> so
0: uh, so thank you so much and thank you listeners for listening to another episode of smack my pitch up rate review and uh let us know what you think about our shows let the world know about the show by reviewing and rating it and uh make sure to subscribe as well and share on social media because that helps us a lot and we'll see you next time i'm mike the hobbit and you just got pitch smack
1: GUIPodcast.com
0: We've got a devilicious little Kickstarter here for all you geeks and ghouls for the Halloween season. Throwing Horns. It's a light RPG of devils, demons, and metal. You play a literal band of demons touring the best and worst venues in hell. The promoter, or aka the GM, will guide you on the tour and throw encounters in your path which you can overcome in the most metal ways possible. Use headbanging tunes, your demonic commanding presence, or just good old-fashioned violence to beat encounters and continue. This is a Kickstarter from a friend of ours that only has through the month of October to raise its funds, so definitely go to throwinghornsrpg.com, or just hit up the link on our homepage at gypodcast.com. Donate, get some extra stuff if you reach the right tier of donation, and keep on throwing them horns. Coming straight from the mouths of Madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness.